Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week, we're talking about a lot. We're talking Mm. a pair of slashers, a bizarre Christmas fable, Irish haunted houses, a phone, a journey through hell, and Eugene Levy with an afro? Yeah. Yes, and uh, hopefully, maybe you're going to see this as a um, a video recording as well, potentially. So, yeah, we'll Hello. see. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We're testing. Weird. Liquid Death I know. sponsor our video content. <laughs> yes, please. Mm. I love me some Liquid Death. Mm. Ignore this Jimmy John's container. It's actually Liquid Death. Mm. Well, yeah, uh, everyone let us know what you think of video content and if you want more of it, because we're playing around with it, because why not? Yeah, why not? There's functionality here, hopefully, so we'll see how it goes. And if there no video materializes, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. This did not happen. Yeah, this is all fake. <laughs> that aside, really quick, I want to say I hope everyone's taking care of themselves after the horrendous things that are going on in the States with Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Please, please donate if you can to abortion funds, specifically in the South, to help those clinics and places to kind of give support to those that are not no longer able to get access to abortion. Please just do your research, do some trainings if you can. I know a lot of places are full now because of what happened, but just like, you know, research your local Planned Parenthood abortion clinics that might need your help with volunteering or just donations. Um, yeah. Please and thank you. It's a rough time right now. And this is only probably a hopefully, not hopefully, hopefully it's not, but it probably is tip of the iceberg for a lot of other shitty things to come. So I hope everyone's taking care of themselves. Just wanted to address that off the bat. (laughs) Just because, you know, that aside, 
a nice distraction this weekend from all the bullshit was Chattanooga Film Festival. Yes, it sure was. That was very nice to have a bunch of movies to watch and try not to think about the state of the world. But so I know we watched, we're going to talk about some of this stuff, but uh, um, what is this uh, pair of slashers that we want to talk about? Okay, so one of one of the cool things sometimes about chat is that they do program things that are just a little bit off center, I would say. And the two pick, the well, I guess technically three picks that I'm bringing are all a little on the, the weird side. And the first, the, the pair of slashers is um, a, mov- a pair of movies called The Third Saturday in October, parts five and one. And it's important, I think, that you watch them in that order. Yes. Of part five and part one. So the idea behind this is that there's sort of like this, this long lost slasher franchise that um, has been unearthed is kind of like the idea behind it. But there's only the fifth one and the first one. And it, it harkens back to a time. I don't know if you had this at all, Mary Beth. Um, in, in the 90s, you might have because we still had like VHS stores and whatnot. But like in the 80s, I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street and um, the Friday the 13th movies out of order because it's whatever you could get your hands on. And sometimes you couldn't get them in order as they are presented now, like with typical any release, pretty much you could find any of them. I remember Whereas watching before, it's the like, Halloween movies like that when there's like the AMC oh, marathon. Really? Like, I yeah. saw a lot of them out of order. I had seen the first one, but I saw, like, four, I don't know, like, parts of them, too. It was always, like, bits and pieces. It was mostly Halloween was the one that I had that okay. experience with. But, yeah, I totally, like, know that that feeling of, like, okay, it's on TV. Let's just watch it. And being like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. But you don't really need to know. <laughs> And that's the way it was for me, too, with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I saw mm-hmm. the first one. Like, I had the fourth one on on, um, on beta, and so I would watch that one over <laughs> and over and over again. And, and I know. And I didn't even realize that it was, like, you know, a direct sequel of sorts to, like, the third one. And I wouldn't know that until later. So, like, the idea behind the third Saturday in October Part 5 is the same way. That, like, you watch this one, you don't really understand the context of this killer that's wearing this cheapo mask that is going around and killing people. And it, it it's set in, like, 19... Early 90, early 90s, I think, 92, 94, somewhere around that time frame. Yeah. And when I was watching this, I kept thinking, yep, this is exactly the kind of movie you would expect Vinegar Syndrome to put out, that you have a movie that you'd never heard of before. Mm-hmm. It's about the same kind of quality as a lot of Vinegar Syndrome movies. And I mean that both as like in a loving way, but also in some ways kind of painful in parts. Your mileage uh, may vary. <laughs> Your mileage may vary with this one. Um, I found the characters to be completely insufferable to the point that one of the main characters is using the R slur. That was on the negative. <laughs> but yeah. it definitely like evokes that time period. It does. And I, I think it's slow, which I think also, mm-hmm. but I also feel like a lot, which I actually, you know, it was slow, but it also reminded me of a lot of those slashers where like there is mm-hmm. like these slow beats. So it hits those beats in a really interesting way in terms of like not a lot happens in the middle and there's like yeah. some kills. I think it could have gone harder with the kills though. I will say I think that there mm-hmm. are some good ones, but I feel like it could have been a little bit more. Like someone's face is completely seared with a piece of hot pizza and like I was obsessed with that. Like that's so <laughs> that. cool. There could have been more stuff like that, but I was very impressed with the vibe and like how they captured this vibe. There's a little girl and her babysitter and the little girl is the best. There's a part at the beginning and the opening, like the the credit sequence where they're like in the car and they're jamming out and the girl's wearing like sunglasses and the little girl's wearing sunglasses and it's really cool. I wish it was more of that energy the whole time. Yeah. We talked about this where it's like, they have something there, but I think, I think part of what 
hurts it is it tries it tries so hard to be like that that I think it loses sight of what how to be, be a little bit more unique not just yeah. the concept but like the performances wise like we didn't need an arsler like you know I get it you're 1994 but like there's no point you know like things like that where I'm like yeah. look we don't have to be edgy like we can homage the 90s and not <laughs> like play mm-hmm. into those I also think it could have used like 20 minutes edited. Like I think these both of these movies could have been edited down just a bit more and it would have been a little bit more breezy to be perfectly honest, but I agree. But I think that they work really good in tandem and I actually liked part 1, the <laughs> sequel of sorts that's set in like the 70s. Uh I found that one more interesting. I thought the characters were a little bit more developed and that one kind of pulls from um like Halloween in a in a yeah. lot of ways and like some of the eight the 70s like exploitation type vibes that i was really digging yeah the aesthetic was really cool like they really did like push that aesthetic (laughs) the group of stoners were so annoying sometimes like meowing at each other meow 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 (laughs) meow i was i was watching with my roommate and we were just like what is even happening right now and then we spent the rest of the night just meowing at each other there's a girl who just dances the whole time in pajamas obsessed with her (laughs) obsessed with her yeah, it's and it's interesting, and it, they have a it's a it's a black serial killer, which is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, we never like you know there's Candyman and then Bitch Ass, but there isn't a lot of black like slasher villains. And one mm-hmm. of the main characters in the first one is a is a black man, so it was mm-hmm. kind of cool to see a little bit more representation on that front, like in terms of using black characters as villains and like i'm curious like you know i'm a white person saying this i'm curious like what other like with what you know black like black audiences think about that in terms of having because i think the director is white so i'm always curious like what that looks like but at the same time i think it was interesting to like finally have a killer who isn't just like a giant angry white man it's like a little different but and the posters are bomb. The posters are really cool. Oh, the posters are so cool. This is they're pro- these movies are probably going to come out soon. I can I can't imagine someone like Shutter or someone's going to snatch them up pretty quickly as like because it's got like that gimmick thing that I think like is a big a big plus. But they're fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a, I had a good time with them as like um, a curiosity. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had fun with them. Yeah. Okay, so I want to hear about this Irish Haunted House because I missed this one. I watched Gateway, which mm-hmm. is an Irish horror film that I believe had its North American premiere at Chattanooga. It's directed I by that's true. Neil Owens, and it's about a group of criminals who need to pay back their distributor they 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 sell weed and they need to make the money back um in order not to get uh their ass kicked basically and so there's a group of them and they all like they all kind of like hint at trauma that they all have and they go to this house that's an abandoned house and they're like this should be a squatter's paradise like why aren't there a bunch of people here like squatting doing drugs whatever and they slowly find out why uh boy oh boy it's a haunted fucking house and it, it is a slow burn. It's okay. a little hard to understand without subtitles because their accents are very thick. But mm-hmm. it's very much 
session nine vibes in terms of a group awesome. of men going to do something and like as a group and trying to like last ditch effort like to make money on something and like how that all falls apart and how the location feeds on their anxieties and their traumas and what mm. that looks like i really enjoyed this movie i think it's beautifully done i think it needs subtitles like i said but i think there's some really interesting concepts and like things playing around here with that with the movie and it's a really cool look at like suburban slash urban horror where it's like an abandoned house that is that like people used to do drugs in like not a trap house but like an old abandoned house but like it doesn't look like a haunted house it just looks like a regular kind of run of the mill and there isn't really much of an explanation as to why it's happening which is awesome it's just like it's what but i really enjoyed it. it again slow burn but definitely session nine vibes and i'm a huge session nine fan which is why this works so well for me yeah i'm a huge session nine fan too i love that movie so yeah i very very surprised like surprisingly excited to to see this how good this movie was so that is gateway i have no idea when it's coming anywhere um hopefully it does though because i feel like this is another movie that like people who love slow burns and kind of like the that kind of horror will really dig it. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to watch that one. I just didn't realize it only had a 12 hour window and so I missed it cuz I couldn't watch it the night that it was it was playing yeah. at Chatfest, so. There's also I I'm think, glad like, it was good. a full core element to it that I didn't necessarily catch. Like there's symbols and stuff Ooh. going on in it and I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, so I need to watch it again. That's why it's got kill list. It's like a kill listy vibes. There's no cult or anything, but like there's some like symbolism stuff going on here as well that okay. is really interesting. But yeah, so everyone keep your eyes out for that one because it's good. <laughs> so Bizarre Christmas. We love Bizarre Christmas. There were a lot of Christmas yeah. movies this year at Chattanooga. <laughs> there were. There were quite a few Christmas movies. It was bizarre. But anyway. There really were. Christmas in June. Isn't it supposed to be Christmas in July? <sighs> Who cares? What the heck? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Eric Pennykoff um, is a writer and director who brought um, back in, gosh, I think it was 2020. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's when it was. Uh, brought a movie called Sadistic Intentions to um, Chatfest. And I saw that one out of that and was like, ooh, this is kind of fun. It's it's quirky. It's weird. Um, it has Jeremy Gardner in it. And I was like, I'm, I'm kind of digging this. And so then he's back here with, his, with a world debut of The Leech which has a similar cast to uh, Sadistic Intentions. Uh, Jeremy Gardner is back. Taylor, gosh, I'm going to mispronounce her last name, and I apologize, Zoutke, I think, is maybe how you pronounce it. And then also is Graham Skipper, who, um, you know, is like a indie horror icon, modern icon. He's in a lot of indie horror um, now. And it's um, kind of weird to talk about. So it's about like a priest who opens up the movie kind of preaching about the importance of doing good in society and helping other people, even if it hurts yourself, kind of being that sort of selfless person. Because through selflessness, maybe someone will find God, is the idea. And right after his sermon, yeah. <laughs> right after his sermon, he finds a man named Terry. I was dying. I was like, oh, look, it's a Terry. I'm like... Okay. Okay, Eric. I don't know what you're doing here, but okay. Looks nothing like I don't, you. I don't, don't worry. No. <laughs> nothing like our but, Terry. I mean, I'm played by Jeremy Gardner. Fair, so. but you're, we'll get to what he's like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so Terry is is like falling asleep in in the pews, 
And uh, one thing leads to another. And before you know it, this devout priest is allowing Terry to stay at his house to get him on his feet. And then the next day, Terry's pregnant girlfriend shows up. But before, uh, sorry, before that even happens, like the next day he is in confessional and some woman is in the other booth and talking about how she's pregnant and her boyfriend doesn't know. And she has like the Southern drawl. And the next day, of course, then it's discovered that Lexi shows up, Terry's girlfriend, who has a southern drawl and is secretly pregnant. And then they start pushing the envelope about acceptability. And it's almost like a comedy of manners in a way. There's so many movies this year about like people being rude and not and, like 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 weaponized polite or like pushing politeness and like all that mm-hmm. stuff which is very interesting like that trend this year yeah it really there's a lot a lot of festival films are coming out that are doing that kind of comedy of manners and pushing it to uncomfortable places and this takes it in some wild places there's a pegging scene i just have to tell everyone there's a pegging scene it's incredible there sure it's more is pegging in horror movies <laughs> And it gets, yes, it gets sexual. It gets weird. It's just, I think if you're a fan of sadistic intentions, this one will be like right up your alley in terms of the weirdness. It's just one of those films that is marching to its own drum. And I appreciate that. Did you, what did you think about this? Because you saw this one too. I did. I like, Graham Skipper is incredible. I, Mm -hmm. it's Bananagrams basically. And like, I think I had a hard time with it at a point because I was just like, kick these fucking idiots out of your house. Like, I know it's a movie and the whole point, but like, Jesus, like, and (laughs) I think it goes some interesting places. Like, I have a theory about how, like, the ending and like, what the whole thing represents that I won't spoil here. I think there's something really interesting going on with like, Mm -hmm. religious imagery. It's hard to talk about the... Yeah, like religion and stuff, because you don't want to give anything away. But I think there's some really interesting character studies going on here. Um, I... Yeah, I think it's taken to, like, an extreme on purpose. Um, But I think it could have even... If it wanted to lean into the extremity, I wish they'd done it a little bit more. But regardless, I think it's such a weird fucking vibe. It's so uncomfortable. It's so weird. And I really... I enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely a great fucked up Christmas movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And there's rap about Jesus in it, too. So... um, There sure is. There sure (laughs) is. And Jeremy Gardner is... I I love Jeremy Gardner. He's, like, just incredible. And he is such an asshole in this movie. Like, it's... I wanted to punch him in the face. So congratulations, Jeremy Gardner. You did it. Because I wanted to fucking punch you in the face watching this movie. I love Jeremy Gardner. I would love to get him on the podcast to chat with him. Because he just... He is a good actor. He's a good director. He's a good writer. He's very talented. He's really, really talented. And I I, I love the characters that he chooses to play in other people's stuff because they're usually like kind of assholey. But like what I appreciate is that I don't think I've seen a character of his that's homophobic. Like he and a lot of them, they're aggressively not homophobic and they make points to like make that out. And so I I think that even when he's playing a villain, there's that kind of edge to it that I, I appreciate um, in his characters. It's, it's such a yeah. weird moment, but like I've, I've noticed that in this movie and I was trying to think of the other movie I saw. Was it, is it something called Fingers or something where he was a bad guy? But like so anti-homophobia, it just, I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting. And I just, I would love to chat with him. I just think he's... I know. Well, and there's like some stuff here where he's like, we've all had sex with men. Like very, like very pointedly mm-hmm. being like, eh, who gives a shit? So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very and I'll Lexi Taylor Taylor Zodki Taylor Zodki is also incredible yeah. in this too though like yeah. there, she was the star of Sadistic Intentions and she was yeah 
phenomenal in that. So it's like mostly the three of them. And then Rigo is kind of like a guy that works, does the music at the church, but it's really the three Mm -hmm. of them in one location. And it's incredible, like the dynamics there. So if you like single location horror as well, like it's very much one of those. So yeah, that is Bleach. That's what I think. That's what I think of Bleach. So I had COVID, so I couldn't see this movie, but I want to hear about this phone. So I saw the black phone. Yeah. In theaters this weekend. Scott Derrickson's new horror movie with Ethan Hawke as a creepy ass serial killer who grabs and kidnaps little boys in uh, North Denver in the 70s. And I wouldn't say it's a little bit trepidatious. Like, I love Sinister. I I don't dislike Mm -hmm. Scott Derrickson's movies, but I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh, who knows? Mainstream horror right now. Like, could be good, could be bad, but Ethan Hawke's in it and he's good as shit. So, like, it's probably good. I really enjoyed it. There are a ton of plot holes in it that, like, were kind of confusing. But regardless, I really had a good time. It's a good, creepy ghost summer movie. Like, it's pretty predictable, but that's fine. I had, I think, the kids in it, um, Mason Thames and Madeline McGrew, who play the brother and sister. Madeline's great. She's incredible. So they are an incredible, like, acting duo, and Ethan Hawke's character, Jesus Christ, like he is so creepy. Yeah. And it's just, I wanted more of him. That was, I think, my biggest okay. thing from that. So the short story, it's much more based on John, like the grabber is than his name. It's much more based on John Wayne Gacy. Okay. Serial killer. Joe Hill. Yeah, Joe Hill wrote short the short story. story, Black Phone, much more based on John Wayne Gacy. This one, they kind of remove a lot of that influence. Which is interesting, and they probably for the best, because and they they what they do is they don't get super explicit about what happens to the boys. Like you can kind of infer that he's a pedophile because he only takes small little boys, but like they don't really get into that a lot. But in the movie, there he's this Finney played by Mason Thames is locked in a basement of the serial killer, and there's a black phone on the wall. It's not connected, but it rings. And the people the, pers- the people on the other end are the victims of the boys that the grabber mm-hmm. has killed. And they're trying to help him escape. And he's the first one that's been able to hear the phone ringing because it's kind of like his sister also has these dreams that are like premonitions. So there's kind of their mom was also has something like that. So there's like this kind of hinting at these kids have some kind of like sensitive like psychic sensitivity so they're mm-hmm. able to like speak to the dead and have and like kind of see what's going on so there's a lot going on and i think it mostly works i think there are some parts of it that it's like this man is really nabbing children in a big black van with giant <laughs> balloons in front of houses and like no one sell anything like he's wearing a fucking top hat and a cape like <laughs> that part i was like yeah. that i know it's the 70s like i know it's the (laughs) 70s but are we that dumb but that like again it's like very much like suspending disbelief which was fine with me like i still had a really fun time with it so i and it's got some good jump scares it's got an amazing score and the again the kids are really they're incredible performers so I think it's definitely if, if you're looking for like a summer movie to go see in theaters if you're comfortable with it I recommend it. It's a good time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I want to go. I want to go. Okay, so before we talk about um, Eugene Levy with the Fro, you have one more. What I do is have one Journey more. Through I watched Hell. a lot of fucking movies this weekend. I watched Mad God, finally. Phil Tippett's Mad oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's on Shutter. Steve really wanted to watch it, so we watched it this weekend. And Jesus Christ. 
It's incredible. Have you seen it, Terry? No, I have not. Okay. It's incredible, but good God. Like, so much weird shit happens in that movie. It doesn't make a ton of... Like, it makes sense, like, on a broader scale, because it's very much, like, heaven and hell battle, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's it's hideously gorgeous. Like it's dis- disgusting thing. There's a lot of poop in this movie. Like way more poop than I expected. I've heard that. <laughs> a lot of poop. But poop aside, it's incredibly well done. It's absolutely like just stunning to look at. Weird as hell. A lot of a lot of me was going, "What in the fuck is happening?" Phil Tippett is not okay, and that's fine. And it has one of the best representations of capitalism I've ever seen in a horror movie slash okay. a movie in general. I won't. It's again, like it's a hard movie to talk about because it's, it's an experience. Like it's a movie you really mm-hmm. have to experience. Yeah, the music reminded me a little bit of The Wall, like Pink Floyd's The Wall. It's not, it's a lot of it's like stop motion claymation stuff. So it's not exactly Mm -hmm. like that, but the music is a little bit like that. And it's disgusting. So watch it on Shudder because it's really fucking good. Yeah, I know he's been wanting to make this for forever. 1997, I think. Yeah, he's been working on this off and on for, for years. And, you know, Phil Tippett is like, a master oh, he's like of practical a god in the enemy. Like, like, he's worked on everything. Visual effects for Jurassic Park, for Starship Troopers, for Robocop, for Star Wars. Um, I believe he animated the Rancor monster. Yeah, that would that would make that would track. Like he he did he's done so much, so much from Willow uh, to Tremors two to like Dragonheart to like everything. He has worked on so much and. He's just a master, and I'm glad to see this got a release. I I wanted to see it. I just I haven't had a, a chance yet, but yeah. I'm glad to hear that it's there weird is but fun. No dialogue, so yeah. you have to pay full attention. Yeah, there's no dialogue. Uh, don't try. Like I kept trying to like logic my way through it. Don't even try. Like it's <laughs> it's not meant to be logic no. through. Like at one point, there's like a guy, just like a cardinal, like like a religious figure cardinal, and he has like super long acrylic nails and toenails. Um, it's incredible. So yeah, just like it's a it's a movie full of really weird vibes. So if you're looking for something like really weird, just like get sucked into, watch it on Shutter. It's an hour and twenty three minutes long. There isn't like a really big narrative go. Like it's not really like your traditional narrative. So again, like just vibe. Just vibe your way through it. There's one character in it that is the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen, and I'm obsessed with it. I think, and I, it's potentially, and this isn't a spoiler, really. It's like a, it's like his representation of what death looks like, and it's the coolest oh. fucking thing I've ever seen. So yeah, Mad God, guys, check it out. The hype is in fact real. It's really good. Hell yeah, and disgusting. So get ready. Let's talk about hmm. our latest horror comedy. Uh, Eugene Levy with a goddamn afro, a l- young boy, a young man, a young, young man. man, a young man. I didn't know that he ever was that young. Uh, neither did I. <laughs> Thought he always looked the way he does now. Uh, was incorrect. He w- somehow looked older in this movie to me. I don't. The hair and the mustache. I don't know, man. But uh, what movie is this? <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> we saw from 1973 Cannibal Girls, which is Ivan Reitman's uh, sophomore feature. And Ivan Reitman, of course, would go on to do, you know, 
Ghostbusters and a bunch of other stuff that I can't think of off the top you of my head right now. Kindergarten Cop, Junior Evolution, My Super Ex Girlfriend, you know, just a, a bunch of fun movies. And this movie, it, I was not, I was, I wasn't prepared for how um, much of an exploitation drive-in type movie this actually was. It wasn't that funny. Oh, I thought some of it was really hysterical. <laughs> funny but it was much drier than i expected like i thought oh I, it was right man i was expe- i think because i was expecting like ghostbusters kind of comedy like very oh, like okay silly this was not i mean it's it's exploitation drier like satirical humor more than mm. like the comedy that we're probably more used to from Ivan Reitman. Yeah, that's kind that's of true. That's a better way to put it. It was like not what I expected from an Ivan Reitman movie, which is not a bad thing. But it definitely no. like don't go in expecting like a Ghostbusters or any of his like no. more well known titles because it's very. But there's some there was some really uh, funny visual gags. There's a there's a gag of and I I can't remember exactly the the context behind it, but a woman was um sh- is shaving a carrot. That looks like a penis. It's like right after they kill somebody. Yeah. It's literally like they they kill a man and then they walk in and like it cuts to her in the kitchen just fucking peeling a carrot and looking at like it's a dick. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's it, there's there's moments like that like there's uh, Eugene Levy plays a character named Cliff who plays a guitar and he has a cigarette pinned to one of the like you know the strings that that are a little too long and they're just hanging off the end of the guitar he has like a cigarette pinned to that just like it, it's there's little moments like that the fact that uh, people are growing grapes on the graves of their grandfather and they're trying to leave the, okay so the idea is that Cliff played by um, Eugene Levy and Gloria played by Andrea Martin, have been dating for, I think, a couple months at this point. And they go on a, on a trip. They go to this, you know, little small town and they stay at this bed and breakfast and they hear the story about the this house where, like, the that used to have three cannibal women in it. And they're, like, intrigued by the story, so they go there. The house is being run by a reverend who is incredibly odd and weird and wants them to stay and they keep trying to think of ways to leave and <laughs> he they they go to dinner and he ends up offering them like a bed and he's like this belonged to his aunt who was burned at the stake oh well good night and then he says good night aunt patricia <laughs> like there's just like moments like this that are really really kind of funny my favorite was when the cop like takes him back and is like don't let me see you out again and cocks his rifle like they shouldn't be out in the streets <laughs> i was like yeah. what in the hell and like i get some rocky horror picture show vibes but this is pre rocky mm. horror mm-hmm. which is fascinating i won't go i won't spoil too much but i did i wonder did you also get like kind of rocky horror vibes from this okay mm-hmm. but these bitches are cannibals and i love them <laughs> Same. I want more meat. She's <laughs> like at one point. Yeah. Oh, they're incredible. And they're like a coven, and they're trying to like increase their numbers. And I'm just like, yes, more women eating men. Yeah. Eat the patriarchy, one man patriarchy. at a time. Surprisingly progressive with how these women mm-hmm. are just like killing dudes, like having sex with them, and like blurring them in. But like not like they're bad guys, but it's not like oh they're diabolically evil. Like it's right. framed in a way that. It's an exploitation movie, but it's not as exploitative as the typical exploitation movie. No. Which is so really fascinating to see from Ivan Reitman in 1973. I was like, oh, surprisingly progressive and fascinating with this treatment of women as killers. 
And like the men are idiots. Like the whole movie, oh, all of the guys are complete. absolute morons, including Eugene Levy. Very much like don't take women seriously, and these women like get get like take advantage of that. And I, I think it's really fat, like how these women kind of play up, like oh, I'm just a pretty girl, like I just want to hang out with you, and then they slaughter them, and it's incredible. And I think they Incredible. really play with that in a really, again, a progressive way, especially in 1973. Yeah. And most of the dialogue was improvised. The budget was like $9,000. Yeah. It was the film debut for Andrea Martin. Ivan Reitman took this film to Spain's International Horror Festival. And Eugene Levy ended up winning Best Actor. And Andrea Martin ended up winning Best Actress Award at this festival. Like, this movie had surprising legs to it. And... I, you know, I think I, I agree. I don't think the humor is is quite as like developed as it was as as it would be in his later films. But um, I, I don't know. I found it quite enjoyable and leaning into the horror. I was gonna say it's much more like a horror movie. Like it's much, mm-hmm. it's more horror than comedy. I think. I think there are some great funny parts, but I think it really does lean into the horror more than I expected. Which is as interesting well. because mm-hmm. like. I was thinking about most of the movies that we've seen with the exception of the old dark house. Most of them lean hard into the, the comedy side mm-hmm. with a tinge of the, the horror aspect to it. But this one and like uh, old dark house have lent, I think lean further into the horror. And I think, and I, like I think it's an interesting balancing act. Yeah, I do too. I, I just think it's an interesting balancing act that um, I'm curious to see as we progress the, the way that people are able to like, is this a, horror comedy or is this a comedy with horror elements yeah. like those kind of things it is really interesting to see like it feels like it is actually it's quite difficult to do like a 50 50 split the more i'm watching these like 50 50 splits aren't really a thing with horror comedy which is fine it's just interesting to see mm-hmm. like how things lean and what kind of what what directors and writers take from each shot like each genre in their movie, mm-hmm. which has been really, which again, like has been really fascinating to see, like what horror comedy means to people too, because I think it really does. Yeah, more than anything, like of these, like um, like subgenre deep dives we've been doing, I think this one to me is one of the more like diverse ones in terms of like interpretation yeah. because there's so many different ways that you can go there, like. You know, obviously, like, Giallo and Folklore, like, there's a lot going on. But, like, you know, a lot of them do follow pretty similar beats. And I feel like horror Mm -hmm. comedy just is a lot more... Because horror comedy isn't as, I think, defined aesthetically and, like, subject matter-wise, there's so much more room to play with that stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, and I I mean, I think there's also different... For a subgenre, there's different (laughs) subgenres underneath it because you can have parodies and spoofs. And you can have like dark comedies, uh, you know, so there's like, even within that subgenre, I feel that there's like a robust amount of different differentiating f- uh, factors and, and, and yeah. changes that that happen that can make a movie feel completely different. And I think that's that's interesting. Yeah. So that's been really cool. And I think that really like hit me with this one specifically where I'm mm-hmm. like, my expectations were com- like it like, you know, it. It sub- it did not surpass like subverted my expectations in a really interesting mm-hmm. way, and like the more I think about it, the more I did really enjoy the movie. I like this one a lot. Once I was like, okay, wait, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be, which is totally fine. <laughs> right. like, let me just like recalibrate my brain, and then yeah. So. Well, you think of Ivan Reitman, and you think of Ghostbusters and that kind yeah. of stuff, and like it's silly. it's definitely like an aesthetic and a, and a silliness to it that 
is definitely missing from this one. Like but. not slapsticky. Like some of I, you know, I don't think of Ivan Reitman as necessarily totally slapstick, but like a lot of there's like a lot of like physical gags in his movies, mm-hmm. and this one is just very different. Yeah. But it's really cool to see his range as a director. Yeah. Cool pick, Terry. Good find. Like I'm glad to finally shit. watch it. Because, again, this movie shows up in, um, I think it's Ghostbusters 2 in a scene. Like, there's yeah, a, a theater scene. Yeah. And then it appears again in, in Afterlife. So, like, this is a movie that, like, has been in the back of my mind for forever since I, like, saw originally. And I never knew what it was until more recently. And then, like, oh, I got to watch that one. So, I'm glad we finally It's streaming for to. free on Shout Factory TV for anyone who it wants is. to watch it. Um, I don't even, I didn't even log into an account. So, you can just go watch it there. Definitely thought that the audio was fucked up because the beginning is like quiet for like 30 seconds. And I was like, yeah, is something broken? So don't worry, everybody. If you watch it, it's not broken. It's the movie. Don't change the sound settings on your TV. I (laughs) fucked with it for a bit. I'm like, are my headphones fucked up? And like, yes, I could have skipped ahead. But I was like, there has there's no way. No, it's just quiet at the beginning. (laughs) So a little disclaimer for all of you shifting gears into horror comedy from japan next week terry what what movie are we talking about next week (laughs) (laughs) we are talking about 1977's hausu uh love love this movie um it got recently brought up when we were recording with kentucker and and albert podcast brain me being like i don't fuck that was like last week i don't the only know. reason i know is i edited it that's the only <laughs> like, reason i remember wild fucking i've actually never seen this all the way through i've only seen it once so i'm very it's a, excited it's a trip i'm so excited psychedelic trip and there's cats. okay but who are we talking Yes, with cats. Big orange cat uh, on the front cover. But who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday, we are chatting with writer and editor Danny Bethay. You've probably seen their writing all over the internet because they are incredible. Mm-hmm. And we are chatting about who framed Roger. We sure are. Finally, this movie has been brought to us. I get to tell my story about being terrified by it. And it was, again, my first time watching it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> it holds up, everybody. We'll talk about it, but just as oh, in yeah. case you're preparing, it holds the fuck up. It's so Fucking good. Fucking impressive. And Bob I Hoskins love this movie. is everything. R.I.P. to mm. a legend. R.I.P. Please, Eddie. Oh my god, it's just so good. Um, so that is very exciting. I hope everyone enjoyed our video content. Let us know if you want more of it. It's been fun, yeah, and you please. get to see all the bullshit I deal with with my cats, and also my weird <laughs> hand movements that you never see. And now you can understand how I just wiggle my arms the whole podcast. And I, I noticed that I have a tendency of like sitting here with my arm like kind of weirdly propped up in my chair. It's mostly because I feel I click my mouse too much and I kept thinking about how I have to edit out the mouse clicks because I just go click, 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 click. And, and like, so if I sit here like this, I'm not clicking it. And yeah, all, all of me looking over to the side is making sure my cats aren't fucking with anything. <laughs> I keep looking over to the side and I'm not just, I'm like distracted just to make sure the cats aren't like eating a plant or knocking something over, you know. But anyway, let us know what you think about yeah, the chaos. It's a fun, it's fun chaos. But anyway, guys, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you do Chattanooga and and have a movie that you really liked that we didn't talk about? Uh, do you have suggestions for more horror comedies? Do you have suggestions for videos? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. 
Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you're watching this video, then please give us a like on YouTube and subscribe there too. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.